characters and uh, we're really going to be seeing a new character tonight and uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second but I am Mike and I have a couple of people with me here um, who are going to be doing some interrogations in a locked armory I have Steven first of all what is going on my friend not much I'm just doing some patchwork on my hot air balloon make sure there's, there's no holes I don't want to be going down on my next journey but well, we don't want you going down either on that next journey. And speaking of journey, somebody who is ranch dipping in the woods, Corey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. I'm really working on a new uh, frog relocation uh, project here. It's a really important cause to me. So if you guys could contribute. That'd be great. I heard they taste good dipped in ranch. I'm just saying. Oh, just like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> just like chicken wow we're gonna get into all that good stuff and more here uh as we continue on um but uh but we are um uh, previously on lost we look forward to going through we are getting pretty close toward the end of season two and um this is uh we're we're past the halfway point uh, so we are uh, we're booking right along. So let's go ahead then, I guess, and jump on into the episode. Unless you all have any announcements? No, probably nope. not. <laughs> no, I think I think this is. Yeah, I think we just can't wait to get into it. All right, we have been on this island then for 58 days now, so almost a full two months. So Corey, tell us what happened last time on Lost. Uh, a lot, actually. Uh, Previously on Lost, Danielle tells Saeed uh, she can sometimes hear other people whispering in the jungle. Uh, one of the others named Ethan kidnaps Claire and Charlie, who are eventually found. Ethan attacks Jack in the jungle with his uh, superhero ninja skills. Uh, Locke says they need to start worrying about the others who continue to attack and abduct the survivors, the famous speech. Echo and Jin hide in the bushes from the others who walk past them barefoot and muddy. And Lucia tells Michael that the others took 12 of her people and that they are smart and can't be underestimated. And and uh, Anna Lucia hears the whispers um, in the jungle and accidentally kills Shannon, mistaking her for one of the others, unfortunately. And one of the others tells Jack, Locke, and Sawyer that the island is theirs and the survivors still live on it only because they let them live on it. And that is everything from previously on Lost. Obviously very, um, very other-centric, basically, basically giving us the entire history of the others so far on this show. All right. Our 
All right. Well, we'll get into this episode. It's uh, season two, episode 14. First aired February 15th, 2006. Directed by Stephen Williams and written by Damon Lindelhoff and Carlton Cuse. The, the mysterious French woman, Danielle Rousseau, returns to lead Saeed to a mysterious captive who claims he crashed on the island. Meanwhile, Sawyer recruits Hurley to help him find another island animal that is harassing him. A loud tree frog. This is such a this is such a terrible part of the episode. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, Sawyer's going on a frog hunt. All right. Some facts about this episode. In the flashbacks, the soldier who originally arrests Saeed is Kate's father. He's looking at a photo of Kate, which is actually a photo of Evangeline Lilly as a young teen. Very similar facial features, by the way. When I watched Lynn, I looked at that episode. I'm like, man, that is Kate like made over. So that was a pretty interesting uh, part there. Let's see. Michael Emerson was cast on the strength of his Emmy-winning guest role on The Practice from 1997 when she played a serial killer. Interesting. Never seen that. I, I, always, I always remembered him from the movie Saw. How did you guys ever see Saw? Really? He was the in fir- that movie? He was in the first one, and he was uh, really pretty, you know, pretty creepy in it, and that... Uh, that that's what I remembered him on when he showed up in this show. Huh. That's interesting. I never I have, I have heard that. I don't remember that. I do believe I, I, I think I saw saw, but I, it was a long <laughs> saw, time ago. Saw. Oh, <laughs> uh, this also is the first appearance of Kelvin Inman played by Clancy Brown. Very uh, interesting character. Yeah. And here, oh, here's a, here's a big topic we'll probably end up discussing. This is the first appearance of hieroglyphics in this series, and it occurs in this episode when the Swan Countdown timer gets past zero. So, yeah, uh, here's Seems a little to come out of left field. Honestly. Oh yeah, <laughs> and oh yeah, it came out like now. Wait a minute. Um, okay, and we're kind of all have like about the same reaction as as Locke did. Um, here's a little bit of historical context. Although it is believed that sarin gas was used by Iraqi forces in the Iraq-Iran War, there is no record of its use in the Gulf War within Iraq or otherwise. However, the timeline suggests that the attack Tarek was responsible for occurred during the 1980s. As Kelvin mentions, it happened in the north where Kurds suffered at the hands of the Saddam Hussein and chemical ally – or rather than during the Gulf War in Kuwait on Iraq's southern border. So just a little history. Yeah, you, you kind of lost me there, but I get what you're saying, that this this wouldn't really match up to the timeline for them to use this type of gas. Right. So uh, so let's talk about the, uh, the episode then. How do we want to break up this episode this time, guys? Anything that you really just want to talk about right out the gate, let's go ahead and bring it. Well, um, I think we meet a lot of people in this episode. Obviously, we're going to talk about one Henry Gale, but the flashback I thought was really cool as far as the first time we get to meet Kelvin. Um, we get to see Kate's dad again. Um, the the soldier that 
uh, knock Saeed out, Theo Rossi. He's been in a lot of stuff since then. So a lot of good stuff going on in the flashback. Um, you know, not counting just how important in uh, Kelvin Inman is to the, to the story as a whole, but our first chance to meet him. Um, this, I would say it's probably my favorite Saeed flashback. I don't know how you guys feel, but this really kind of lets you see, um, you know, how he became, you know, the torturer. Um, yeah, yeah, this might be his best flashback. I was trying to think about it right before you even brought it up, but I, I can't think of all the episodes right now to compare. I think, was it Enter 7, 7? You know, that flashback's not that good. It's with the cat. I think this is possibly the best flashback of his. And the stuff I with agree. Nadia season one was good, too. I just... I, I I really enjoyed this um, flashback. Again, season two was really kind of the height of the character crossovers. We're starting to see how all these characters cross over. I remember there was something on the season two DVD where you could like click on each character and see how they crossed over with so many other characters. And this I think is a is a big episode along those lines. Um, yeah, season whole- two, they, they still have so many fresh ideas in, as they delve into these characters, and I feel like they, they come at it with some really heavy episodes for... And we just had the long con, which was a pretty intense episode as far as the flashback goes. And obviously season three is known for you know some of it going a little stale by then, but season two really has some good, good flashbacks for sure. For, for Saeed on this one, I think in... Um, some of the previous flashbacks, we get such a small chunk of Saeed that we don't really get a whole lot of development in his flashback. Like learning about Nadia is interesting. It's important to his story. But to actually see him in like this conflict with the, um, you know, the other officer, the supervising of- officer and basically the origin of how he becomes a torturer is seems far more important than a lot of the other flashbacks. And I don't know how far we want to go into this flashback if we want to just deal with the whole thing, but I I thought that we really see, you know, the Saeed on the island is um is so measured and intelligent and stuff. And then we see that he's a torture. There's like there's two different sides to Saeed, and we kind of gotta see how that came to be. I thought his interactions with his Commanding officer Tariq were very interesting. I mean, Tariq's really calling into question his family honor. You know, his family would, you know, would you you're bringing disgrace to your family? Kill yourself, and and then you see the, you know, kind of level-headed Saeed saying, you know, you would you'd have me kill myself for this information that means nothing to you. That you know, so you really see kind of both sides of Saeed you know, battling each other there where, you know, he, you know, he kind of wants to help these Americans get their pilot back. You know, I mean, he does, he, he doesn't seem to enjoy innocence being killed and, and suffering. So Saeed's a really interesting character. And I think we really get to wrestle with that this episode. I really, go ahead. I was going to say, it's a really good performance by Navine Andrews too. 
And you can definitely tell in the flashback, you know, he feels so much younger and more naive, even though he's still really smart. There's just a whole different, there's a different level of innocence to him. Um, not that, you know, I'm sure he's, he's a soldier. He's already seen some um, terrible things, but there's definitely a huge difference in the two Saeeds we see in this episode, you know, flashback and Island. Yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of with the same lines as you guys. I, I enjoyed this flashback because you get to see his torturer beginnings. You get to see it's, I don't think he ever intended on hurting his CO until he saw the video of his village and then he realized this guy means nothing to me. So then they brought him this box and I, I almost think he wanted to when he brought him that when he went back in there to torture his his, you know, Tariq, I think he wasn't planning on doing it. I think he really was going to use that stuff as a scare tactic. But I think what changed his mind was when the, when he told him just put you know take the bag put it over your head and kill yourself and die with some honor the moment i think that the ceo said that said said okay and you could almost see that he didn't want to do it but then when he came out of that room the shell shock on his face from having to torture somebody and you see the blood on his tan and like the middle of the worst green screen background effects I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> but they drop him off in the middle of nowhere and he gives him money and he says, I'll never do that thing again. And, and then Kelvin just looks at him and says, well, look at it this way. Now you have a new skill set to add to you. It's going to make you really popular with, with, with Saddam. I'm just like, wow. You know, it, 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 that, that, I don't know. And to think though, that that kind of stuff did happen though, that there was legitimate, torture on both sides during this during these conflicts and um it was just it was an interesting way to see his beginnings uh i think as somebody who's tortured on the inside for him to be a torturer is perfect and then you know i i liked when the you know going back toward the island when the armory door was shut and jack is screaming you see you you see saeed tie up his hair and he just said, I- I'm a torturer. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get information I want to get. Uh, but he doesn't like to torture. But he does it if he has to. So. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on a few things you brought up there. Um, yeah, having the aspect of the, the torturing um, and then having this be more, you know, a viewpoint, you know, from from a lot of it being the American side. You know, this is was a very timely topic when this was, um, you know, aired back in 2005, right? And, you know, it was topics that were really important at the time. But I actually, I think that everything holds up really well. I mean, we're talking about 15 years later. This doesn't feel like stuff that doesn't make sense anymore. And everything in the story flows really well. Uh, even though this is obviously like a very um, topical, you know, you know, very specific to this this time that this was a huge um, talking point. Not that it's not an issue still today, but uh, it's really it's interesting seeing that and then looking at, you know, how things were in 2005. Um, and the other the other thing I wanted to bring up was you're talking about the green screen at the end. Um, I always specifically remember that scene and it being looking really bad. You know, like the smoke coming up. But 
if you take out that scene, the rest of this flashback, I actually think looks really good. And in, in general, I think a lot of the Saeed flashbacks really suffer because they feel they often feel forgettable because they don't really feel um, memorable, like grounded to a location or um, imagery that well, because recreating Iraq um, in Hawaii is extremely difficult, I believe. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot of a lot of scenes in the American cities that you can pull off. And there's a lot of other things that they're able to do really well. And they we have these really memorable images of some of these flashbacks. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like Charlie and some of the churches and like some of these things that they they pulled off that are really stick with you. And I think some of the Said flashbacks fail or, or suffer because they're so like generic. Um, but this one I actually think does a better job, um, you know, just being kind of focused on the torture setting. I just think in general, I can't, not just the torturing room, but like there's a lot of different areas that this feels a little bit more like they're actually in this war. It doesn't feel quite as fake until obviously the last scene that we're talking about with the bad green screen. (laughs) And the thing is, I still like that last scene, even though the green screen was, you know, bad, it's still a good scene. Like I, I I can look past it because just because the interactions between Saeed and Kate's dad and him and Kelvin were, were so good and memorable. Like I, I look back on that scene fondly, even though the green screen is awful. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Green screen was terrible. Yes. But yes, it was a very good, it was a very good flashback. It was worth it. I thought the the first scene actually does a great job of like setting the scene and like kind of setting the atmosphere of where we are. Like a lot of the a lot of the um, flashback is just in like basic rooms, but that first scene where they break into the whatever communications place and um, they're they're trying to shred all the files and stuff. So yeah. By the way, I don't know if any of you guys picked up on this or not, but. There's a reason why the camera panned to show uh, Kelvin giving Saeed uh, American $100 bills. Uh, it went into Iraq. If this is where they were planning the or planting the scene, whether it was in Kuwait or where it was like that, and you were an Iraqi soldier and you had American cash on you, you tried to turn into or convert into um, I can't remember what what they would use back then or what they used there, um, but the conversion and you had American money. You were always looked at as a collaborator. Why do you have American money? Why don't you have our money? So now it soiled him to the point that now he's got all this money from this guy, but if he turns it in, he's going to be known as a collaborator. So why why do you think Inman would have done that to him? <laughs> like, were they trying I to just, get him in trouble? I, I mean. I think it was just another slap on him that he would he, he was used for what Kelvin wanted, and then he just sent sent him on his way because it's not it it would have been nothing for Kelvin to say hey listen we're pulling out here's um, I don't know what I again I don't know what the currency they used over there is um, here here's here's some money to catch a bus now he's got to walk into a conversion place change convert the money and then get on a bus knowing what he's done. I think it was just more salt in the wound. 
So, just a thought. I don't know if anybody else picked up on uh, that. That makes probably. sense. No, yeah, no, didn't think about it. So, all right. So, are we kind of done with the um, with the flashback, or is anything else kind of in the flashback? Well, I guess since we're talking about Inman, just what do you guys think the plan was at this point? This is episode fourteen, right, of season two. And Inman's going to come back in the finale with um, Desmond. And, he, you know, he does actually, he ends up playing a big role. If you look at the whole myth, lost mythology as like a, a chain, you know, he's one of those missing links, right? He's yeah. bet- between when we have the Dharma people all leave and um, he's one of the few people left behind. We don't really know what happens between... Um, kind of like Dharma and and uh, others who's really in, in control of the island. And then like, cause like during the late eighties and that's when, um, when he's there, right. Up until, you know, whatever, early two thousands. So he's there or no, he must not be there in the eighties. No, no, he's, he's there. Radzinski is, but he, whenever he joins, he's one of those final links, I guess, um, between, um, the kind of the old guard and our survivors. Right. Stephen, am, am I right on that? I, I'm, I'm when, trying when to remember again. I'm trying to remember because I'm sure he told us, and we're we are going to get to that here before too long. But I can't remember how he got there, like how Inman got to the island, how he got from being in the military to to being on the island. I honestly. I'm I'm struggling to remember the story there. So, so this flashback is in the 80s, is what we were saying, right? And yes. then and I think so it's, it's quite yeah, a bit. It's quite yeah. a bit later that he gets to the island because. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I was just curious if at this point, because he's such a very, he's such a unique character in this flashback that he seems. It, it seems like he's going to return. He, he's such a such a guy, such a specific type of character that has like a level of mystery to him. Um, it just it makes it seem like they're leaving us questions about this guy and he's going to come back, which obviously he does. And I, and I think that it leads us to be surprised when we do see him in the you know on the you know in the hatch. I think yeah. because we met him this way. That makes the way we meet him again so intriguing to the viewer. Yeah, it's okay. an interesting reversal because usually it happens the other the other way where we see somebody in a flashback we already know, not somebody in a flashback then appearing you know, l- later, <laughs> still in a flashback, but, but on the island. So, sorry, Mike, did you, did you find some no, info? Yeah, there? I found it. So he arrived on the island prior to the purge as a member of the uh, Dharma Initiative. Um, he was serving in the Gulf War until 1991. I mean, in 91. Um, but it doesn't say if he it served until the end. He could have been recruited out of the military. Um, let me see. Uh, 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 well, apparently they thought he was the right so man posing, for, the, for the swan. Right, he was he was an other. He was put there by Ben Linus. He posed as a member of the Darman Initiative. Um, let me see. And apparently, Kelvin was also. Oh, uh, apparently, Widmore 
he was he, he was one of uh, Charles Woodmore's agents in the Swan Station. He definitely seems like a Widmore guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, other yeah. So he said that he he was, um, but this said that he was a pre he was neither a pre purged member of Dharma or other. Um, he came to the island because he was directly recruited to assist Redzinski. Yeah, um, he's kind of an in between guy. He's not he doesn't really fit into any category. Right. He, he's definitely like one of these links because he's the link between Redzinski goes to Kelvin, who is the only guy left there in the Swan. And then, you know, he teaches uh, Desmond everything um, he knows, and maybe not everything, uh, leaves out a few things. And then, you know, Desmond informs the survivors of all this stuff. And, you know, we get this whole season about the button. So he is like an important uh, piece in there. Right. So so generally, generally what what I'm what I'm seeing then is he was not another. He was an agent posted there by Widmore. Radzinski went and found him and he was sent there to gather intel about the Dharma initiative in the station. That's pretty much what I'm gathering from the only source on the internet with anything <laughs> lost knowledge, lostpedia. But they have so much knowledge. They do. They, they have a ton of knowledge. Well, interesting. We'll just we'll we'll revisit Inman uh, in the finale, probably with some more detail uh, as we see his, uh, um, well, his demise. Spoiler alert. <laughs> dum dum dum. Um. So, it, had we met Kate's dad? We had met her. Yeah. In the uh, in what yeah. uh, Kate did. Yeah. Yeah. He go. She yeah. goes and talks to him. Oh yeah. We. Oh yeah. I think it's kind of a fun little tidbit that that was actually a just a picture of Evangeline Lilly they used <laughs> to kind of place that connection. Yeah, in case yeah. in case you didn't do it, recognize you, you know, in case you, you didn't recognize because mm-hmm. it was years before anything happened with Kate. So obviously they had yeah something to kind of set that in there. Um, so is there anything then else about Saeed that we want to talk about? Before we move to um, ranch dipping and well, I was going to bring up uh, Rousseau actually. Okay, Rousseau is is basically you know she's the catalyst for this whole episode, and as Rousseau likes to do, she just wanders up onto camp. Uh, for some reason, she always <laughs> thinks that she's hiding very well. She's like carrying her rifle, walking behind these really skinny trees, and somebody like just spots her as always. And like, yo, hey, uh, somehow she somehow she managed to hide from the others in the jungle for 16 years, but she can't hide from our from our survivors. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Apparently she was going to wait out there until dark, dark and then go talk to Saeed. But uh, Anna Lucia spotted her. Right. Um, Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to see these two interact again. And I'm glad that they reminded the audience that the last time we, uh, you know, interacted with Rousseau, she had tricked everybody at the end of season one and tried to steal the baby and all that stuff. Uh, But this is also a good way to bring Rousseau back into the fold because she's been absent for a while, but she's going to reappear in a couple other episodes after this as well. Mm hmm. And. As uh, we and, as we kind of realize in the first season, anytime Rousseau shows up, we know that stuff is going to hit the fan. Anytime she comes in, it, yeah, the story's gonna gonna take off. Well, I mean, to be honest, 
this episode right here, this is a major changing point in the season and in the series. I mean, there's a lot of those moments, but this is a, a huge moment. And it's all because Rousseau, uh, you know, finds Henry Gale in in a tree caught in one of her traps. Uh, we, we talked about, uh, you know, d- discussing this. I guess we could we're going to discuss this later. But um yeah, I mean, what do you what do you guys think about the the first moment that we get to meet Henry Gale? Because it's so interesting because now when I watch this scene, I watch it thinking like this is Ben Linus. This is the first scene you see Ben Linus. But it, it's just like so unassuming. It just seems like some random guy that, you know, he could be, you know, just a log carrying folk this guy that's going to be shot in like the next five minutes or whatever. And he becomes so- one of the main characters. So when I first saw this show, um, I thought, man, how has he been on this island for this long? And like nobody has seen him or his wife, number one. But number two, I thought, okay, even if I can get by that, his story is like really legitimately convincing. And it's pretty rock solid, and he's a really good liar. I mean, he's <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, Saeed is beating the crap out of me. I'm probably going to end up telling, okay, I'm just lying. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a good liar. His alibi was rock solid. Of course, we know what's going to kind of do him in um, later on in the future. Uh, but, man, he is very convincing. And um, I, I really – I kind of almost fell for it. When I first saw this guy, I was like, man, this, this, this guy, this, I don't know how he hid, but he hid somehow <laughs> from everybody. But, uh, but he, but he's, he had everything. I mean, he had the radio down. He had, um, he had the sickness down with his wife. Uh, I mean, he had the story. So that's how he, I felt. He knew that him. the balloon, he knew the dimensions of the balloon, 160 feet by right. 80 feet. And he even knew. That when he was going to talk to Saeed, he knew that he could say, I buried her, you know, on the island. And, 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 and he knew, problem is he didn't account for Saeed uh, digging deeper than he did. <laughs> well, well, I, I remember as a viewer just really going back and forth on whether I believed him or not. Because, I mean... Saeed is so convinced he is another, but yeah, he does such a good job of lying that it just, it really, it, it takes you as a viewer on a journey of believing him, not believing him, believing Saeed, not believing Saeed. So I think that's what makes this storyline so cool. It's just this great actor being brought into this show. And uh, um, I mean, I know we, we've probably talked before that, Originally, he wasn't supposed to be a permanent part of this show, but he came in and was so good that they kept him around for, you know, the next four and a half seasons. So or five and a half seasons. That's bad. Matt. I don't know. But um, <laughs> you were right the first time. Terrible, <laughs> terrible math. But um, regardless, uh, and him watching him and Saeed go back, I, Saeed did or Naveen Andrews did such a good job this episode that interrogation scene is is one of the best parts of the show. I think they it was so back at those two play going back and forth 
was so intense. It was just a great, great episode or a great scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Michael Emerson's performance is so um, convincingly unclear. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you, you really don't know what, side you know if, if he's telling the truth or he's not and there's sometimes when you're so convinced that he has to be telling the truth and he plays to the sympathy and now having seen so much ben linus it's easy for us to watch it and go oh he you know that's got to be ben line uh but even even that give, given that I, I still think it's really convincing and especially when you're your first he he's so hard to read but then later in the episode you know, they give us a few good shots where he's just sitting in the armory, these very um, creepy um, looks that he's giving that make you think, oh, maybe he is one of them. And of course, uh, Rousseau gives, you know, such a great line. I think it's an iconic um, lost line when she's handing him over to Saeed. She says he he will lie. He will lie for a long time. Um, but eventually, you know, he'll tell the truth. So it's something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Um, right, but the thing is, he never does tell the truth, though, either. Until, well, we understand. I mean, he... Yeah, he gets found out is what the problem is. He doesn't tell the truth, he just gets found out. You just see... We'll get to that episode when we get to it. But the yeah. immediate flip in his personality is spot-on performance. Yeah, and, and and we mentioned before this that he was only brought on originally for a small smaller role and I, I can't remember exactly it was either it was something like two to four somewhere in there like two to four episodes is what he was signed on when they first had him come come shoot the first one and i'm not sure when they decided actually let's make it make it more but i would imagine it would be pretty quick after they were filming the first or the second episode they just decided like let's just keep you know we're gonna ride this guy out the rest of the season and then we're going to find a way to get him involved in the next season. So um, obviously him turned out being the leader. Yeah. Obviously he ended up being um, one of the best characters on lost and definitely one of the top um, acting, uh, you know, actors giving great performances. He goes on to win at least he wins an Emmy and he, he has a few nominations. Um, So, you know, this is, this is a big, a big turning point for, um, the show, but you know, Saeed in general, just to get back to him a little bit, it's interesting watching him in these scenes because it feels like for a lot of this season, Saeed has been kind of stuck in this spot where he had a little bit of a storyline at the beginning, you know, about, about Shannon and, you know, their relationship and then mourning her death. And then he's kind of just been in limbo. He played with the walkie talkie, you know, the other week, uh, you know, with, uh, with Hurley. And now he finally has more of a purpose and we get to see Saeed, you know, sometimes he says some pretty cold things that uh, it's just, it's just, he can be very brutally honest. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Saeed Gerard, I'm a torturer. And he just, he sounds like he's just totally accepting this dark side to him. Um, but, but at the same time, Saeed has, you know, he's not he doesn't completely lose control, but he comes very close to losing control at the end here. Just beating the the, the living really? snot out of this guy. <laughs> See, I thought he did lose control. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess you say he did at the end. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he he obviously he's he's dealing with some pent up um, feelings because of Shannon. Um, and and I mean that was that that was evident in his response to Henry that hey look you know you you would have remembered every shovel full you would have remembered how exactly how deep you buried the person that you loved um, I think that's the moment that Saeed said in his mind this guy is lying because if he really had his wife he would have remembered exactly everything about that burial yeah and and part of the reason I don't say he's completely losing it like yeah he does completely lose his cool and and he he needs to walk away but I give him credit because he is right. You know, he is right that Ben or Henry is a, you know, is just completely full of it. And and I think he catches him a couple times. Uh when the first time uh I think Ben says something like I was rich. And Saeed goes, "You were rich. You're not you're not anymore." And say and Ben, you know, Henry um not sure what to call him, Hen- Henry or Ben, but <laughs> uh Ben Henry says, oh, I, I guess I'm already thinking of myself in the past term, um, past tense. And to me, that was like a little bit of a catch. It's because he's talking about Henry Gale, who he knows is a real person who is actually dead. And he's, he just screws it up there. And then Saeed immediately goes into asking him about his wife and where he buried her and how deep in the amount of shovel shovelfuls. Um, it feels like to him this is convincing and he's like i got you you're a liar you're full of it and so he thinks that he can just punch the truth out of him which it's going to take a lot more for ben ben is calculating he knows that somebody's going to hear hear what's going on that someone's going to stop it and if anything somehow this guy no matter what whenever he gets gets the crap beaten out of him he somehow flips it around in some sort of power struggle and uses sympathy to his advantage he can use anything to his advantage, his advantage. So, well, th- yeah. this is, this is also one of the first of many times that Ben is going to get beaten, um, beaten to a pulp in this episode or in this show. It's kind of a recurring theme with him as he just, he's constantly just getting, getting beat. The, the yeah, entire it's, show. A, <laughs> it's a cornerstone of the show. Really? <laughs> he, so he's just I- very punchable. I don't know what it is. I will say, though, even though he's extremely punchable, he is, to me, the most redeemed character over the entire series. Now, I know we're, we're, we're all the way back in season two, but if you watch who he is here, who he is at the end of season two, to where he is in the epilogue at the, after season six, he is the most completely redeemed character, I think. Um, I, w- I would disagree with that. Really? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I, I think he's, I don't think he's fully redeemed. I think he's partially redeemed. Um, and I, I thought about this during the episode a little bit because some people find it annoying that he really comes around to being a good guy in the end of the show when he is such a good villain and he does Horrible things, including the purge, which we mentioned earlier. Right. Um, and we'll we'll get into more in season three. And, you know, he murders so many people. I, re- I actually rewatched season six uh, a couple months ago and I was getting really into it. 
And for, you know, Ben has an interesting arc. He goes from being powerful to losing all his power. Then he's like helpless after he got deceived by the man in black. And he's kind of flailing around. Then he finds his, his groove with a few people. But the last thing Ben does on the show on the island before, obviously, the time between uh, up until the epilogue, before all that stuff, last thing we see him do is kill Widmore in cold blood, just murder him. And uh, I think that's like the episode before the finale. And he's like, why? Necessary. Necessary. Yeah, he did it. He did it just for fun. He did it. He said he had he had like no. He's like, that's for killing my daughter or whatever, which Widmore didn't directly kill his daughter so, so look, it was it was necessary okay <laughs> all, all i'm saying so is he, so he so he killed one person after he was redeemed i mean he's come on he's still a murderer in like the episode before the end so to <laughs> so, reel back on that a little bit um he does have this epilogue which takes place later and yeah. you assume that he did work towards being a better person under hurley because that's suggested um, in the uh, flash sideways. So, yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's part of what makes it such a great character is that he he is at times so horrible, but even when he's being horrible, you you feel for him and you sometimes are on his side. I mean, we see him in in the future as a child, is how horrible he was treated by his father. So even when he does kill everybody in the purge you kind of still feel for him like he's just a very complex villain um and just a, a great character and i i cannot imagine this show without him yeah and i guess to give to give you uh, a little more credit there mike i would say he does get way more redemption than anyone would ever imagine for this type of villain um oh a- absolutely and- I just don't think all of it happens on screen. I just I think a lot of it happens during um, season six, and then the rest of it is kind of just um, uh, inferred. Whereas you, a character like Sawyer, we watch that redemption over the course of six seasons, like slowly take place. Okay, so so okay, so I, I can give you that. the The thing the thing that I see and that I'm looking at is. Out of the villains we have and the antagonists we have in the show, <clears throat> Ben seems to be the one who makes the biggest redeeming arc over the entirety of the show. If you're talking about the character in general, whether protagonist or antagonist, okay, I can see it in a different ways. I can see, well, yeah, Sawyer makes the biggest change from I just want everybody to hate me to I want to help everybody. Or Jack from I'm a man of science to by the end of the show, he's I'm a man of faith. And and I believe now. So you have different arcs. But as far as villains go, I don't think there's any more that change as much as Ben does or Henry does in, in, in the show at all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's yeah. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you that. He all comes right. along. He comes a long way. But he's going to go right now. He's still going down before he starts to go back up. He he is such a fascinating character. And that's why we can debate him, because he can be so evil. But he does end up being, you know, kind of on the side of the good guys in the end. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he is definitely. But uh, it's a long path to get there. I mean, one interesting note we could um, kind of pivot to is right. This whole episode is framing 
this war of the others versus the survivors. And you know, that's the main thing that there, there's this drama going on about Jack starting an army and he didn't invite John Locke. Uh, Locke is not happy with that. So Locke is a little more, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, lenient to Saeed's desires here because he wants to get back at, at, at Locke or at Jack. And um, the whole torture sequence is, yeah, it's, it's a war between these two parties. But in the end, the, these parties are definitely not um, um, opposing anymore. So I do think it's kind of interesting. Uh, they said, you know, Jack and Anna Lucia said they were having a hard time recruiting people for their army. And they didn't. The two people that have been upset they haven't asked would have been the the ones that would have definitely joined. Like why they left Cade and Lockout, who who would have been the two definite yeses they could have counted on. Along with, Lock has know. already been a colonel before. <laughs> yeah, That's I mean Lock, right. <laughs> Lock would love to be part of an army, and wh- why they didn't ask him was just a a mistake. Lock could set up the famous uh, mouse trap mechanism to trap the others. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> oh, so, boy. but but I I do think that that part of the episode is interesting when you know Locke says there's only one reason to do that because we're at war, and you know it's kind of the whole is what is justified when we're dealing with these others. Um, you know is you know is it okay to torture one of the others and. You know, and so we get that whole kind of Jack on the side of, you know, hey, this is wrong. But Saeed and Locke kind of being a little more pragmatic of this is what needs to be done. It's really kind of an I don't kind of a theme that's going to kind of go on for a while here. Yeah, and I think that the. The show leaves it kind of uh, ambiguous to whether this is the right or wrong thing to do. I think in the end, you could say the torturing really did nothing to help. You know, they <laughs> they ended up going no. to find the balloon. That's what did it was checking his his story. The torturing never did anything um, except get maybe a uh, lock sympathy. So if anything, it helped it uh, helped him um, use more deception. And we'll talk more about this um, in basically every episode uh, forthcoming. But this is really the beginning of uh, the death of uh, what I call the more logical John Locke. Even though you guys have been uh, a little bit harder than me, you know, on on him, I I like this Locke who you know is helping uh, patch up things between other people in the group, and he's like the the father figure for Claire and he's he's going around kind of keeping the peace uh working with Jack you know button heads but I, I like this lock in the, the first half of season two and then Henry Gale just totally screws with his psyche <laughs> gets in his head and he loses his mind by the end of the season so sometimes it's hard to watch but it is very entertaining to watch um the breakdown of uh Locke's psyche which is about to begin Locke is the most, and I will stand by this, Locke is the most manipulated, easily manipulated person on the entire show. Sawyer does it to him. His father does it to him. Um, Ben does it to him. I mean, 
everybody manipulates him. And and Ben Ben figures out pretty quick that he that he is the one that he can get to. You know, when when Ben kind of observes Locke in the hatch here, you know, he figures out that he's going to be the one that I can, you know, manipulate. Right. Well, before we get into all of that manipulation in the episode, because that's a whole other episode of the ball game, um, let's jump to kind of, I guess, the last part of our story. There, there, there was one part of that story that I, I we did skip a little bit. Um, this is one thing that's always kind of bothered me. The Russo scene when she catches Ben. We find out later on, and was it season five or six, I think five, that Ben, ben was the one, along with Ethan, who came and took Alex. So why when Rousseau... Caught him in the trap. Because I would think if someone stole your baby, you're going to remember that person's face. And I'm sure that the logical answer is that they didn't, they hadn't decided on that fact when this happened. Because they didn't even know Ben was going to be around. But I feel like that's maybe not a direction they should have went based on this scene where she didn't recognize it. She knew he was another but she didn't know he was another because she recognized him specifically. Any, did you guys catch that or any thoughts on those lines? Well, wasn't he wearing like a little scarf or something? Yeah. (laughs) His face was visible. He may have, he may have been dressed badly um, and had some bad hair, but if I recall, but she definitely could see his face. Hmm. I, I don't know what to say to that one. That that's one where I feel like there's an answer I used to know. Um, I thought that maybe you know he like points the gun at her, makes her like not look at him, but uh, I don't I don't remember. And it's funny I just I saw that episode um, not that long ago, but I don't remember it. So I, yeah, I would probably chalk it up to what you're saying that they just really didn't think about it enough and plan it. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually, I think that's a pretty good point, though. I never even thought about that. There's huh. a couple of those in this episode. One of one of them is a little more explained than that. The Saeed and Ben. Why does Ben not recognize uh, the guy that he released from, the other he re- released from jail in 77? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, they, they do, they kind of explain, it, it, it gets brought up by Hurley talking to Miles uh, in 77, but also in the, you know, in the, the future of them. And, you know, uh, Miles, they have, they have no answer to it. But then Richard says that he is going to be changed forever and he may not remember things. He may forget everything that's happened to him recently after they, you know, whatever, take him to the temple and heal him. So... I guess it's assumed that he forgot about all that, but it seems like he's there for like a week, Saeed, or at least a few days. So, um, but hmm. that's the other one that people would uh, often bring up, and that some of the perils of writing time travel into your show is you, you run into some of these issues, hurdles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For as much. 
um, as they did to like patch things up all around the place. I really think that they they did a good job of it actually making sense for the most part. There's a few things here and there that that aren't quite answered as far as like timelines, but for the most part, it, it works really well. And just talking about in men and all the stuff stuff we already brought up uh, for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about one more area. Let's talk about the ranch dipper <laughs> and <laughs> and um, uh, tree frog soup in a hand. <laughs> let's. What? So. I liked this part of the storyline. I know this is dumb, but I liked this part of the storyline because it showed as simple as the episode, as the 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 plot was with Sawyer trying to find this tree frog. It showed how hated Sawyer was by everybody. <laughs> uh, Jen wouldn't even talk to him or or go or or want to speak to him. Hurley says, fat, 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 fat. You're right. I may be fat, but at least people like me, dude. <laughs> I mean, Hurley goes off on you. Come on. I I think, though, that it's it's good to see again Sawyer's soft spot for Hurley. And Hurley, Hurley has a bit of a soft spot for Sawyer, too. That's so why I'm really glad they kind of developed this friendship over the years because – you know, even in this is one of the few times you actually see Sawyer apologize, you know, after after he offended Hurley and, and Hurley was going to quit. He actually apologized to him for one because he needed the help. But I feel like he actually felt kind of bad about the stuff he said to Hurley. And that's not something we normally get out of Sawyer. Um, and I agree. This was a fun part of the episode. I really didn't remember that being this same episode. So. Going back to to watch it, it was kind of a fun juxtaposition. You know, we got this really serious torture storyline of a new character, and then we have this kind of lighthearted, at least until the end, um, story of Sawyer and the Tree Frog. Yeah, I I, I do remember criticizing this storyline in the past. It's like it, it doesn't seem to fit, but it's it's fun. It's it's not very long. I do think I still find it kind of weird that this is part of the same episode. But, you know, what do I know? I'm not one of these these writers. And it may actually help the flow of an episode better to to have a lot more lighthearted kind of a fun storyline. And to, to go off of what Mike was saying, it does follow up with the previous episode by having all these people dislike Sawyer. So it does. You know, it, it uh, makes sense in that regard, you know, kind of dealing with his character. Now, he's the guy who's ostracized by everybody again because he uh, took all the guns last episode. I, I, I do think, though, that this does kind of revolve around the torture storyline, though, too, because this little frog, this little thing that shouldn't bug anybody. But somehow Sawyer hears it all the way in the woods <laughs> is torturing him. It's irritating him it's almost has a um telltale heart kind of approach to it <laughs> that so he realizes he made a crappy mistake and this one little thing that shouldn't bother him just keeps nagging at him just just torturing him in his mind i think it's kind of interesting that they decided to do this storyline with sawyer 
after previously having him the the whole episode about him and the boar. Like it seems weird to go back to that well of this animal is torturing me for the same character. I mean, I don't know what it is about Sawyer that keeps you know drawing him into these situations, but it is it does seem a little weird that that we did it with Sawyer again. Um that's it. They they do kind of they they lead you to think that he's gonna you know he's gonna do the right thing he's gonna let Hurley go set this frog free and then they have him just crush the frog and, and cr- <laughs> crush your crush your heart as a viewer just squish that little frog up and even that was a little odd to me because like they already showed last episode. He's a bad guy. You know, he's he's gonna lie to his friends and do what he needs to do to to you know to remain hated. I don't know that they needed to add on to it with this crushed little tree frog. <laughs> I mean, come on, you knew. Of course, this is what he's gonna do. Like, <laughs> he's going to find it for some reason. He's not gonna. Sawyer is not going to want to relocate the. The frog, the easiest <laughs> thing. I mean, the frog could hop its way back. Um, there, there's a not that I, you know, never mind. But there's an episode of, of <laughs> Seinfeld where they they steal a dog because it's barking so much out of Elaine outside of Elaine's apartment, and they take it out in the country and like leave it at some like farm house, and it runs all the way home, and then it's barking the next morning. So, <laughs> so maybe Sawyer saw that episode. <laughs> so, that's not happening to me. I'm crushing this frog. <laughs> well, may- maybe I'm a sucker as a viewer then, but I did actually believe he was going to let the thing go. That would have been nice, but I will. I was um, waiting to see like the juice come down, like on the side of his hands or out of side of his hands. I didn't see that. <laughs> How, by the way. How did he catch that thing? I mean, that thing jumps off the log, and all of a sudden, woof, he sticks that hand up and just snatches that thing on the side. Cat-like reflexes. You know, it's always Hurley who is there. Whenever somebody's down and, you know, down and out uh, in the group, it's it's Hurley who, uh, you know, jumps in there. And whether willing or not, is the one to uh, comfort people just like he was for Saeed a couple episodes ago. And uh, yeah, now he's there for Sawyer partially because he's blackmailed about his ranch dressing, but um... true. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I like the scene cause it's a good, uh, it's a good hint to what's to come for Hurley. Cause we have Dave coming up soon, right? That'll be soon. Dave, Dave. All right. Well, anything else? I mean, it's not much about the tree frog story, but anybody else good with this? That's all I got besides kind of like overall thoughts on the episode. All right. So let's. I'm good. I'm good with the tree frog, but um, I I do want to just draw a little attention to the last scene of the episode. One of my favorites, the Saeed and Charlie on the beach. Um, yeah, this is a great scene. I I love the fact that Saeed that this is who Saeed is. Um, when you know when he tells you know Charlie that hey Locke Lock and Jack or they've they've forgotten you know they're they're worried about the button they're fighting with 
each other, you know, but I haven't forgotten what these people did to you. Have you forgotten? And I just thought that was such a powerful mm-hmm. scene. And really, even as a viewer, it, it brings you back into the, oh yeah, these, these guys, you know, we've seen, we've seen, seen them a little bit more now, but yeah, they hung Charlie out to, to die in the, in the jungle. They stole Claire, uh, you know, they kidnapped the pregnant lady. So I, I love that Sawyer or that Saeed remembers this. And I I thought that this scene at the end was great. Yeah. It's actually chilling um, watching that and, or, or listening to what Saeed says there. And I think you're right as a viewer, it's always cool when the characters are, are relating back to something that's happened, you know, maybe the previous season or a while back and it helps you, it, it bases it in reality a little bit more for them when Charlie was hung from that tree, wasn't that long ago. I mean, I guess if we're looking at 58 days, maybe it's 45 days prior or something like that, or 40 days. So to them, that's not that long ago. And um, it's it's good that they bring this stuff back up. And Charlie, it's it's actually a really good scene for Charlie, even though he doesn't say much. But uh, yeah, this episode does a good job of including some other characters albeit in very small scenes, but getting, getting other people involved. And considering too, where, where Charlie has been for the last few episodes, you know, between the, the baby napping and Claire kicking him out and then, you know, kidnapping son, which, you know, all the characters don't know about yet, but Charlie's in a really dark place. And here's Saeed still remembering yeah, the you know the Charlie before all that. Um, you know, uh, I was gonna say Charlie could get into the armory and do a little torturing uh, of uh, Henry Gale himself. That might improve his image, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, in memoriam. Here we go. First, we don't actually know that Tarek gets killed. We just know he's been tortured. A good point. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, the most obvious one is the tree frog. R.I.P. So, R.I.P. tree frog. And um, then Stuart the turtle. What, what, what am I What am I forgetting about? So was Stuart that Hurley, the turtle. Hurley's story? That was Hurley's turtle <laughs> that his mom said ran away, or at least that's what she told him. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, when the heck was there a turtle in this episode? (laughs) Stuart, the turtle who, quote-unquote, ran away. You know what? I did have a turtle run away when I was a kid. And it wasn't my parents' line. It was because we were changing out the, you know, uh, living, the aquarium thing. And uh, he was in a kiddie pool outside, and he climbed out and made a run for it. Went under the fence and, and and like out into the street, and we picked him up on the other side of the block. Wait, Not wait, the other side of the he block. We went run for it. How yeah. did that look? Did he make a run for it? Oh, it's more like a slow walk, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, all right. So let's get uh, just some overall thoughts on the episode. Um, Stephen, how about you, man? 15 or 16 second thought on uh... All right. This was an excellent story. Um, the, the flashback 
really tied in with the episode well. We really got to see just all sides of Saeed. Excellent episode for Saeed. We had the seriousness of that storyline juxtaposed with the kind of fun, lighthearted tree frog story. Um, and the introduction to, you know, one of the most important characters in Lost. So this is a very memorable, very good episode. Hmm. All right. And uh, Corey, how about you? Yeah, so I, you know, I'll, I'll second what Steven said, and then I'll just add on to say that uh, not only is this important, be- important episode because, you know, we get uh, Michael Emerson's first appearance on the show, but as far as season two is concerned, we've had a really good buildup with the story in the first half of the season. Here at episode 14, this is going to be the storyline that carries the rest of the season. Like the Michael storyline is still going to be important in some of the other things, but the focus for the rest of the season is totally on on this, and it leads into season two, and uh, you know Ben becomes such an important character after that. That uh, yeah, this this is a huge momentum change, and it's a huge, I'd say, like a big plot point for the series as, as a whole. Um, and then t- on top of that, Naveen Andrews, great acting, yeah, uh, good good flashback. Um, even the frog story I said is, has grown on me over the years and uh, yeah, overall just really, really well done. Good. What about you, Mike? You know, I, I liked it too. It's one of my higher episodes, um, especially in season two. I love the introduction of, of Henry slash Ben in this season. Um, and again, I, I like it because Michael Eberson does such a good job gives such a convincing portrayal of this guy. He's trying to to actually pretend to be that it's 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 super convincing even i've seen this show who knows how many times i still almost want to be convinced by this guy by the way he's acting um so and to me that that that's really good um i like the side storyline with hurley and and sawyer it was a nice reprieve um but it was overall was a pretty good episode pretty good episode pretty pretty good all right guys um we're gonna get into the rating system here. Uh, we rate our, our we rate these episodes on a system between one and twenty three, and uh, this episode we are gonna be rating them between uh, uh, one and twenty three huge jars of Dharma Ranch dressing, uh, and it should be noted that these will last seven years in room temperature. So, so <laughs> I, don't need to I don't need to worry about them going bad. <laughs> I got to say, I, I do not like ranch dressing, but refrigerated bad ranch dressing is bad enough. But room temperature out in the jungle ranch Ugh. dressing has to be one of the more disgusting things I, I could imagine eating. Yes. <laughs> J- jungle temperature. Yes. <laughs> Dip a leaf in it. Oh, my. At least you got plenty of salad. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll vouch for ranch. I used to be an anti-ranch person, but it's grown on me. Um, but uh, let's 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 give our score here. Mike, what do you give uh, on this one? Uh, 22 out of 23 uh, huge jars of jungle temperature Dharma ranch dressing. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, uh, Stephen, you? 
I actually gave this one a 23 out of 23. Ooh. Huge jungle jars of Dharma Ranch dressing. Uh, this is such an important episode and such a good all-around episode. Yeah, my only complaint I could find with this episode was the bad green screen. And even the bad green screen was a good scene that I still look at fondly. So I, I 23 out of 23. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm right up there with you guys. I'm doing 22 out of 23. This is one of those episodes I think ages, even with that scene that we talked about with the bad effects, it ages better and better. And uh, part of it is the great acting, as we mentioned. Uh, Michael Emerson, Naveen Andrews, uh, Terry Quinn is good. Um, so really solid. All right. Okay. Uh, you want to take us uh, through the ending discussion, Stephen? All right. We're going to have a new um, new little segment here. Um, it was going to be called Unanswered Questions, Lost Unanswered Questions. If there was any questions in this episode that we never get the answer to. And um, th- this, ep- this episode, I believe it's was Ben caught on purpose. Um, what do you guys think? Did uh, we never get we never get a for sure on this? But what do you guys think? Did Ben get caught on purpose? <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, this was killing me earlier when we were talking because I was about to bring this up, and then I was like, "Oh wait, yeah, we're going to talk about it later." So I kind of fr- froze up. Uh, and uh, I was thinking about this a lot. I'm I'm still unanswered. So so you you try to convince me, and I'll and I'll <laughs> maybe I'll try to play the other side. So why well, why I would mean- he be caught on purpose? I think he was just trying to scout information. I think he was trying to figure out how many people were left there, what was in the Swan Station after um, after Desmond left. Um, I think that he was trying to get a look at their weapons. Um, I think he was trying to get into the mind of Jack because we, later on we would know that he would need Jack for surgery. Um, I just I, I think I I think he was caught on purpose. I think he was playing them to kind of put them right way because he he is a he is very manipulative, and I th- I think he did it right on purpose. Now I did not I did think that once he got caught he's like oh crap Rousseau's going to kill me, but I do think <laughs> he ended up trying to get caught on purpose. There there no reason for me that he would kill Henry Gale and his wife if he didn't plan on getting caught on purpose. Yeah, and the other part of that is, um. It could be that Ben doesn't trust anyone. You know, yeah. he doesn't trust anyone to do the job right besides himself. He's already sent Ethan and Goodwin to do do this, and they've already died. So maybe, maybe he actually is a leader. Is like I can't ask anyone else to do this right now. Probably not. He probably just thinks I'll do this better. And maybe there is a real uh, concern or interest in the Swan because it seems like they haven't checked in, or maybe they didn't even know people were there. Whatever the case was, now that the the survivors are in the swan, which I'm sure they figured out somehow, they he may want to know more about what's going on in there. So now there is a scene that we haven't mentioned that I I I, I should have gone back and rewatched. I didn't think, um, but the scene where him and where Ben and Juliet go into is it the I forget. Was it the Pearl Station? And they actually see these characters in the Swan, and they discuss that Jack is a neurosurgeon. 
So there is a scene where they where they're the, they're watching Jack because they know they need to get Jack back for uh, to perform surgery on Ben's tumor. So I I think that he did get caught on purpose, but I can't remember where that scene fell in the timeline as to when him and Juliet were watching this. Yeah. Also, he doesn't seem to really wear that ragged clothing very often uh, based on when we see him in most other situations. So it definitely seems more like a disguise there though. He, he sometimes he does actually wear that um, throughout the years. Uh, and then I'd say it, it to, to agree with you guys to an extent, it is true to his character. I mean, just look at him living with the Dharma Initiative. I mean, of course, he was part of the Dharma Initiative at, at first, but he essentially became a spy for the others and was working you know, behind enemy lines. So he's not um, opposed to doing that. And then also in the season, uh, the season three finale, he decides to go take on everybody, you know, just march straight into the group uh, to uh, head off Jack and gets the snot beat out of him again to try to make a negotiation where he knows he's probably going to get the crap beat out of him. And, you know, he's just not afraid of doing that. He's not afraid of going in by himself with nothing but his wits. So um, you guys make pretty good points there. And convinced. (laughs) All right. We have Sawyer's name dictionary. Um, He calls Hurley Barbar, calls him Rerun, and calls him Hamo. Total freckle count, 11. We did not have any Sawyer-Kate interactions this episode. Um, Pop culture connections. Um, Sawyer nicknames Hurley Barbar, which is a mispronunciation of Babar, the name of the title character of a 1987 animated TV show based on the books by Laurent de Brunhoff. Babar is a young elephant who undergoes many challenges and adventures, but always finds the strength to rise above the difficulty and search out every cloud's silver lining. Um, Beautiful. The uh, wonderful Wizard of Oz. Um is the name Henry Gale. Um, Henry says that he became stranded on the island after his hot air balloon went off course and took him there. This is a direct reference to the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz, where the main character, a girl named Dorothy Gale, dreams she has become lost in a fantastical world after her house is sent there during a tornado, many points of which have a parallel within the world of Lost. The movie was based on the book by L. Frank Baum in 1900. Um, Henry Gale is the name of Dorothy's uncle in the 1939 film, Uncle Henry. Um, The famous Wizard of Oz arrived in the land of Oz when his hot air balloon took him there by mistake. He, too, like lost Henry, comes to live in a community that exists in a strange location where its inhabitants seem to stand out from their surroundings. And then what's happening? Um, Sawyer called Hurley Rerun. Fred Rerun Stubbs was a heavyset character on this TV show, which aired from 1976 through 1979. And I also was reading that the uh, the fact that there was a, a big smiley face on the hot air balloon was a reference to the Watchmen um, yeah. series, which Damon Lindelhoff just recently won a lot of awards for. 
I thought that the smiley face was a reference to the emoji movie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the quality quality right up there with the Watchmen t- with the Watchmen, you know. Yeah. Uh, the the Wizard of Oz stuff is really interesting. I hadn't really heard of that before. It actually makes a lot of sense. And I was wondering, did did the balloon crash when Henry G- Gale crashed? Did it land on anybody wearing red shoes? Um, <laughs> And uh, kill the. <laughs> uh, there, there is a reference to that in a Desmond episode, so we'll talk about that eventually. The, the woman with the red shoes, or whoever wearing the red, mm-hmm. uh, red uh, Converse, I believe. The red Converse. But speaking of somebody running, next episode, here we go. Maternity leave. <gasps> what happened to Claire? Wait, is, is there news? Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> no uh but we we are talking about maternity leave so i'm pretty excited about maternity leave as far as um the episode goes okay uh really really interesting flashbacks this is for the first episode with island flashbacks right i believe so so we're going to find out exactly what happened to claire after she was taken back earlier in season one (laughs) We're finally going to see what happens to Claire. Um, So stay with us next time for that episode. Um, But in closing, listen, guys, follow us around. Um, Follow us on RetroZap on Twitter, um, at Lost Rewatch Pod. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram at Previously on Lost. Uh, We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Previously on Lost. I'm at the DC Mike on Twitter. Uh, Steven, where can we find you on Twitter? I am at Lucky13Steve on Twitter. All right, and Corey, how about you? Yeah, I am at OriginalMav on Twitter. All right, and you can join us in the RetroZap Discord. Go to RetroZap.com for details on everything you could possibly want in your fandom and on Discord. Anything else, guys? I don't think so. Little longer episode tonight, but that's okay because it was a good discussion episode. It was one of them. It was <laughs> one of them. <laughs> wow. That was a good dad joke there, sir. <laughs> you had to you know gotta give the people what they want, you know. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well listen, it's been great, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here. So until next time everybody, we'll see you on previously on Lost. Peace out, guys. Peace out. Have a good one.